Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, 2021 NASCAR Truck Series champion, and you're listening to Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Hey there. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Hammer with Daniel McFadden. I'm Daniel McFadden. On today's episode, I get to have my first one-on-one interview with Thorsport Racing's Ben Rhodes. Last time you saw Ben Rhodes, he was celebrating his 2021 Camping World Truck Series championship. You most likely have seen the video, including this moment. So we have, uh, we'll go back to Daniel and then up front here. Okay, Ben, you mentioned you might be doing karaoke. What is your go-to karaoke song? I Well, Ice Ice Baby for sure. I sung that at my wedding, but I don't remember it. And here's what I'll say. I think I've said this before, but here's what I'll say. I got a list of songs on my phone for just this thing. It's it's inebriated song list is how it's titled. And I got about like 30 to choose from because I can't remember them when I'm in the moment. So I got to go back to my list and I just got to say, ooh, I like Break Up in a Small Town. I like I like um, Ice Ice Baby. What's some other ones? Oh, Welcome to, welcome to the Jungle. I like Welcome to the Jungle really well. So I, as I said, this is the first time I've gotten to talk to Ben Rhodes one-on-one. And the first time I've gotten to talk to him since that that night in November. Uh, this is a really fun interview. Uh, we, we go deep on uh, Ben's upbringing in Kentucky, what he remembers about that night in Phoenix, um, how how he tried to avoid watching the press conference video for for as long as he could until uh, it was sprung on him at a uh, Thorsport margarita night dinner. Um, and we also go into what he, he hopes to achieve in the next year, in addition to winning a, his first, his second truck series championship and what he's wanting to improve on as a driver. And also about, we talk about uh, how he perceives himself now in the NASCAR landscape after his championship run. Uh, again, it's a gr- great, great interview. Uh, really enjoyed my time. Uh, with Ben, and hopefully, uh, as the episode closes out, uh, we'll begin to see a certain playlist of Ben's that he first uh, mentioned back in November after his title run. So here's my interview with Thorsport Racing's Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes, welcome to Dropping the Hammer. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. So um, it, it's it's been a f- the last time I saw you was in the the media room. At Phoenix Raceway, uh, <laughs> after <laughs> say no more, <laughs> which I, I, I just I want to say thank you, uh, for giving the best press conference of my career. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it just kind of happened. I was pretty excited, having a good night, and yeah. um, you know, <laughs> but I also I also want to say this um, I, I for the occasion, I did wear my welcome to the jungle shirt um i I don't usually publicly say what you know what racing shirts i buy just for you know journalistic reasons but when you ask a question that leads to a shirt design you kind of have to get that shirt and you kind of have to brag about it yeah yeah hey thanks for asking that question because uh you, you you made one of the highlight reels. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't remember a good portion of that, but it was incredibly fun. <laughs> that was, that was going to be, you know, one of my questions was, um, h- how much do you remember about your post-race celebration from no- early November? Yeah, I mean, so time kind of moved a little funny that night for me. Um, 
like from the drop of the checker flag, you know, you go from thinking that nothing is real and like this can't be happening. And then it is happening. And then before you know it, it's like a six hour adventure of media. And and, and then they do all these photo shoots, which I got to say are really cool. Like it's it's like um, memories of a lifetime. They capture the moment so well. They have all these different photographers there and you stay after pretty much after everybody is gone. Um, so it's, yeah. you know, midnight, one in the morning. And you're still at the track, two in the morning. You're still at the track. You're in your <laughs> champagne, nasty, sweaty, soaked race suit. It's getting cold in Phoenix. And um, I had already been a little inebriated. So time was moving a little funny. Um, I just remember getting back to the hotel at like three in the morning. And um, maybe later than that, actually. And just completely crashing. Like I, I was so, so there every was still- ounce <laughs> gone so, so there wasn't a party back at the, at the hotel like like you told us there was going to be i wanted one but i've never <laughs> won a championship before so i had no clue how long i was at the racetrack for <laughs> so so you know i'm thinking oh yeah i'm doing this media center deal and i'm out of here just like a normal race win no i was at the track for a good five more hours or so the party was like I don't even know when I finally got out of the racetrack, I did go to where the after party was and I just saw the remnants of it. Like <laughs> it, it had already, you know, happened and the fun had already taken place. And yeah, about three, three thirty, maybe I, I think and maybe later I was at the hotel. Um, and by that point I was just crashed. I, oh, I was. All right. So eventually you, you had to actually have gotten a party, right? Eventually. Yeah. Eventually we did. Yeah. Yeah, eventually we did. And it's funny, I didn't get to actually see the crew members um, since that press conference until I went back up to Sandusky. And that's when the party took place, Uh, because our crew guys, we tried to get them to stay after after winning the championship. But I don't know if you know this or not, but every hotel, I mean, literally every hotel room in Phoenix was sold out, sold out. So when we won the championship, our PR person, Lynn Glockner, um, she was supposed to be on that flight with the crew guys back she didn't have a room that night. So she ended up going back to the room with my wife and I, and she slept on the, uh, the couch at the hand oh. in there. So, Oh yeah. There wasn't a room in the entire city. Wow. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So, the party took place a good four or five days after. Okay. After the win. Yeah. Do you remember the one that I was at? How much do you remember of that party? <laughs> a good bit. Yeah. That okay. one All I right. was full focused. Yeah. I was okay. fully, fully good. involved. <laughs> So I just got done talking to Daniel Hamrick, uh, and I asked him if there was anything he would want to ask you. And he asked, so at, w- at what point that night did you start to feel things tipping towards not good? <laughs> you know what? It was pretty much all good to me. I actually okay. never, that thought never even crossed my okay. mind. Like, okay. All right. I kind of knew I was getting smashed. Like I, I knew that I was, you know, I was full throttle. When okay. I went to the party barn, okay. uh, they call it the barn. It is legit yeah. a party barn outside of Phoenix. They took me to it and I have beers being thrown at me. I just chugged a bunch of champagne and I'm like, we're living the life. Um, <laughs> there's no such thing as not good tonight. So I just hammered down with the fans. And before yeah. I know it, they're throwing me in the sterile environment and giving me a microphone. I'm like, that's a bad <laughs> choice. That is a bad decision. So at what point did you actually get to go like rewatch your press conference? Well, I actually didn't want to. Okay. Uh, I really wanted to avoid it, but I, I avoided it as long as I could. I go up to Sandusky, I think, for the second trip after 
the championship. We we have a thing called Margarita Night uh, or Taco Night. We call it different names, but we go out to um, we go out to this place. We pick up the the takeout order and we go back and you know we 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 talk. We have margaritas and tacos like that's what we do. Okay. So um, Duke Thorson thought it was really hilarious to throw the entire press conference the full length up on the TV for me and everybody else to watch while we were having Margarita Night all like 18 minutes worth that was painful i had to drink more margaritas than i probably should have that night just to watch it oh wow well what's yeah. what, what's what stands out to you about it like what, what's like what sticks with you I, i'm i'm this i'm not even asking this like in a joking manner i'm just, I'm just curious like experiencing it afterwards yeah that, what stands out to you about the the, the performance you put on oh uh, well you know that was a performance for sure uh, I would say the number one thing that stood out to me, I, I impressed myself on was the ability to not look at the beer can and turn the logo directly into frame for the camera. <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm better at life when I'm drunk. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I don't think I can do that. <laughs> like that okay. was, went really well. I, I felt very, I felt like I was more graceful, um, in that state. I'm um, not saying that's a good state to be in at all, but I felt like I was pretty graceful for that. There, there is always that period when people, when when you're drinking, where hey, you 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 feel like you're better at stuff, but then, <laughs> then it eventually, it'll cross over. It crosses well, over into overcorrection. Um, the the folks around me did a good job that night. I don't think I ever got to the overcorrection territory. Uh, I got to where I think I was I was more zoned in. Yeah, and then they took the butt away, and they took all the stuff away, and started feeding me chips and water. And the water just—I mean, it perked me up like that. Uh, <laughs> I guess I was really dehydrated. Who knew? <laughs> okay. So, who who designed the shirts? I think there there were three three different designs. If I remember right? Yeah, yeah. Who, who designed them? Well, a couple different sources. Um, so the the source that you're wearing right now is actually an old designer we had in Sandusky, Ohio, um, that used to design our race trucks. So he texted me after the race and he's like, Hey man, uh, pretty cool. Um, you know, let me know if you need anything. I was like, well, funny you ask because <laughs> I have been having a lot of people reach out to me about some drunk bin shirts. And I said, ah, well, you, you might be able to do this project for me. So that was one of the sources, but it worked out perfectly because he's texted me and I'm like, this is, you know, welcome to the jungle. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, libations are good. Yeah, he he handled both of those. He did a good job. The, the, uh, they're they're really cool. I really like them. Um, but it, <laughs> it stuck out to me that like you know during this press conference you, you talked about how you're like when it comes to like social media stuff. You said you you're not very creative. You're you're more of a consumer. But as a result of this, you got to create something. I thought that was really cool. And there was creativity coming from that. You know, um, that's probably the height of my creativity. <laughs> <laughs> you know i i wouldn't say i'm a creative naturally at all i think what's the thing they say like there's right-brained and left-brained people and like the right-brained are the ones that are you know very you know they're, they're like stiff as a board and yeah not creative that's probably me <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know exactly what how it works but yeah i know what you mean i, I definitely know yes. what you mean. So, yeah yeah i don't know either but so i'm, I'm pretty sure ben that, i mean I've, I've been doing this 
as long as basically as you've been in the NASCAR National Series, I've been covering NASCAR. I'm pretty sure this is the first like one-on-one interview I've done with you. Pretty sure. Um, so I, like I want like I want to get into a little bit of your background. Um, so which which part of Kentucky are you from? Yeah, so I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, that's okay. where the Kentucky Derby is. Louisville Slugger baseball bats. A lot of the bourbon. We're on the map. You can find <laughs> us. <laughs> So, like, like, just describe to me, like, where in the Louisville area did you did you grow up? How, um, how significant of a part was racing in in your your, your upbringing? Yeah, well, I'm so I grew up in the south end of Louisville. Um, south end is kind of like the blue collar, um, Dixie Highway area. That's kind of like the blue collar blue collar area. Um, grew up around trades and um, you know, just kind of a hardworking. Um, you know, family, I guess. Um, so they knew some folks through like the, the union that were selling a go-kart. Um, when you say they, do you mean, you mean your parents? My parents. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they knew somebody that was selling a go-kart, um, some acquaintances, I guess you could say, and we had nothing to do with racing at all. Ne- okay. Uh, you know, so never first... watched the race. Okay. So your first we generation. Were, yeah. From scratch. Okay. My dad loved cars. I mean, he grew up buying cars when he probably shouldn't have and trading cars and you know having he tells me all these stories about all these cool things he had like all these cool cars he had you know growing up that he would he would fix one up and sell it and then buy this and he'd trade it for that and uh always thought that was hilarious and you know he had this huge interest in vehicles but like never watched racing never had us into it but one day um, he started building ramps and jumps and stuff in the backyard for four wheelers and dirt bikes. And we had a long driveway. So we were able to run go-karts. And um, I think they eventually were like, you know, we know these people that are selling a cart. All they do is drive go-karts. Why not try to see if it could be something we could do together as a family. Okay. Um, so definitely first generation, zero experience at all. Okay. So what, so what did your parents actually do? Yeah. So, Oh, for like a living or for getting the go-kart. Oh, for a living, for a living, for a living. Okay, yeah. So my dad's, um, he was a trades guy. So he was HVAC industry. So heating and air conditioning. Okay. He started that, in high school, um, at vocational school, and then from there he got out and uh, he started out at, at Wendy's, being their maintenance man, uh, and then transitioned into um, basically working his way up the ladder to doing like chillers and big, you know, process refrigeration and stuff like that, and um very mechanically inclined my brother got that i'm like in the middle okay. <laughs> i feel i feel like i've got the engineering brain but i don't have all the practical experience of them i mean my dad's okay. worked a lifetime on this equipment so whenever you know i need help on something he's the first one i call like he super smart about that stuff he okay. he loves racing just from the mechanical you mm-hmm. know point of it that's why it resonates well with him obviously i like it because the driving <laughs> so it's like so when your team's talking to you about mechanical stuff in the car how, how much are you able to grasp onto oh yeah yeah no i i so growing up i always my responsibility was always to work on the equipment if i didn't have the jobs done that my dad wanted done i wasn't going to the racetrack if i didn't have good grades i wasn't going to the racetrack uh most of the time i would come home from school and he would have a list laid out and I had to go out and unload the carts from the trailer okay. and, and work on them. Uh, we'd clean them, you know, change the oil, change the engine, gear, whatever it was, clean tires, prep tires. We would do everything we had to do 
he would come home and then he would teach me how he was scaling it out and setting it up. Uh, cause at 10 years old, you know, I was doing my best to learn the more engineering oriented side. Mm-hmm. Um, but since that point, I've always had an interest. So when the team talks to me, you know, I spent a few years in Charlotte, um, living with crew members and working okay. at the team every day, you know, so I would go in as a regular crew guy and, that was probably the best thing I could have done to get a foundation. And, okay. you know, am I still as crew members? Absolutely not. But I know what we're talking about and I know what needs to be fixed on the race car, which is good. Okay. All right. So you, you get into a go-kart, like, so what, what, what series are you racing in or whatever with, with, with a go-kart? Yeah. When we first started, uh, we actually went to our local track across the river in Southern Indiana. Uh, right. That was sports drum speedway. Uh, the 4-H fairgrounds we raced at for dirt stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't like a big touring series that we got mm-hmm. into yet. Later on, we got into the WKA series. Then we started going to all the big money dirt races. Um, so to start, we were, we were kind of like the, the, the small local hotspot, right? And then we branched out from there and went to, you know, any big money race that would attract the best drivers teams. That's, that's where we would go. Okay. So how do how do you wind up in NASCAR in the truck series? Like, what's what was the pivot point for you that led into that? You know, I, I don't think there there was really a pivot point. I mean, Daniel Hemrick, who you said you just talked to, could probably attest to that. It, it's it is such a journey, and I kind of wish I understood that journey better before getting into it. You know, a lot of people that may be first timers in NASCAR still came from the sh- there's a lot of people that are first timers in NASCAR that still came from that area or knew somebody we really didn't know anybody and had no experience so I'm still kind of the outsider I still don't live there mm-hmm. I race for the one team that isn't in Charlotte like I'm, <laughs> I'm still very much an outsider yeah um but I I gotta say you know I don't think there is one defined path to NASCAR not like there was in the past where there was development uh, you know, through, through manufacturers and teams, uh, you know, the team developments kind of went away. The, the, the manufacturer development's still there to an extent, very slight. Um, so it's really a journey. And I, I just wish that I understood the fact that it's not about trying to get the big, you know, opportunity or the big break that everybody talks about. It's about how long can you stay around? Because mm-hmm. if you can stay around long enough, you will get the right opportunity. Um, but that comes with, you know, smaller opportunities that lead to that. Um, so it's been a journey. It's been a heck of a ladder. I I started in go-karts, went to Bandoleros, legend cars, late models, uh, only late model stocks and never did the supers. Um, went to the K&M pro series, did a couple ARCA starts, 10 starts in the Xfinity series. And then I've been in trucks ever since. So here I am. (laughs) Made my first cup start last year. How about that? Well, yeah, I want to get to get get to that eventually. So, like, you, you finally like you get your your ten starts in the Xfinity series. So, when you finally wound up full time in trucks back in 2016, at the age of tw- 18 or 19, you're uh, 19. Okay, 19. So, what describe to me like for you what the landscape looked like in NASCAR? What, what did the path ahead of you? look like what were you anticipating how things would play out for you uh i wasn't anticipating anything <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, 2015 was a, a very hard year for me because i go from the canaan series you know bias ply tires and 
winning the championship and kind of being at a high moment for my career to only running 10 races and trying to pick something up that's not easy and mm. a relatively short amount of time with very sporadic in- intervals with no practice, uh, essentially. I, you know, I show up to the race to practice, but no real testing. So it was very difficult. So the opportunity to run full-time to me uh, in trucks was just oh, like – that was that was everything to me. I, I was just so glad to be full time racing again. So once I got to Thor Sport, you know, I never really knew what the future looked like. I had no real plans. I was just trying to go year by year and see what would happen. I, I mean, if you win a few races, it certainly puts your name on the map and opportunities will come your way. Um, but it's it's not been easy. So now that I've been at Thor Sport for a while, I've, I've got to say I, I love where I'm at. Uh, they become like a family for me, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think of, you know, anybody there as, 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 you know, somebody that I have to work with, like they're all friends of mine. I, it's all people that I would go to bat for on or off the track. It doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, do you have any ambitions to go to go to cup? And, you know, I say, you know, that's not really my decision. Uh, the whole reason I'm racing right now is because the opportunities Duke and Rhonda Thorson have given mm-hmm. me, you know, any opportunity like that, I'm obviously going to talk it over with them. Um, but I'm 150 billion percent focused on another track championship right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's all I want. I got a taste of what that was like last year. And I want more. Like, that was <laughs> – I learned – I learned that like it goes by so fast and I I don't know, like once you have it, you can't live without it. And once you know, you can do it. Like it seems real and possible. Now it seems attainable where before, you know, I I didn't quite have all the pieces together and now I've got the same team. I've got all the same resources. Like there's no reason we can't do it again. And I'm more hungry now than I was last year when we got it. So to, to the family aspect of Thor sport, did it immediately feel like that? Or was that something that kind of evolved to that, to that spot where like when, like you were 18, 19 years old, usually when someone as young as you get to the truck series, everyone kind of expects, Oh, they're just going to be here for, you know, a short break. And then they're, they're, they'll go off. Mm-hmm. Um, so was it always like that for you with Thor sport, that family thing, or did you have to work to get to that spot? Well, it's funny. You mentioned it. Everybody does kind of go off eventually. I've been one of the very few people that have stuck around in the trucks and it's become a home for me. Um, I wouldn't say Thor sport felt like a family initially to me, uh, the very first year it takes time to get to know people, but I could tell right away that this place was different. It had something special like this unique culture. Um, the way, <laughs> the way that matt crafton interacts with people <laughs> it's just hey it's um it's something else it's special and he's a special guy so <laughs> i you know i could tell there was something about it but it, it probably took me till 2017 18 to really feel like family mm-hmm. um it took you know it took a couple of years it's like getting a new puppy you know they're they're a little bit hesitant about you, but before you know it, you guys are family and you, you can't live without one another. Um, at least that's how I feel about my animals. <laughs> how many animals do you have? What are your, what well, are your so I grew up with a bunch. Um, right now, my wife and I only have one. We have a, a French bulldog. Um, so I grew up with a bunch of dogs, bunch of cats, fish. Like we, we had all the animals. It was an, it was like a zoo. Um, but now we just have one French bulldog and 
I would like to have more, but we travel. Like I was telling you, we travel so yeah. much. It's kind of hard just to take care of, of him at the moment. Um, we take him where we can to races, but that's also a little difficult. Racetracks aren't the most dog friendly atmosphere sometimes. Okay. All right. So how, how long, um, when did you feel comfortable in the truck series? Like, when did you like, okay, this, this, this place, it's kind of my vibe. It's kind of my speed. Yeah. I mean, it's always, that's kind of an always evolving answer, I guess. I, I think if you're ever really comfortable, you're going slow. Um, so, I mean, the only time I'm comfortable is when we're not, you know, we're not fast. I mean, usually comfortable (laughs) trucks, not a fast truck. And uh, at least that I found. Um, so I'm more comfortable and I, I know what to expect now more than I did in like 16. Like there was a lot of times throughout this last season that if you took me from 16, 2016 and moved me into the, where I'm at now, if I was in those positions, I would have wrecked the truck. Right. So I've evolved a lot as a driver and understand what the capabilities of the truck are and what I can do as well. And what, where I need to be in the pace of the race and, you know, understanding my competition and kind of all those elements of racecraft, I feel more comfortable and confident about it, but I still know I can get bit pretty quickly. Uh, and it happens. Like, I mean, I had two races this year, still, I got incidents and, and my goal in 2022 is for, for nothing to happen. I want to be top tens every race. And the first way to clear that up is no on track incidents. And that's like the number one goal that'll kind of take care of everything else. Okay. So if I had told you in 2016, going into your, your rookie truck season, that you'd still be in the truck series, you know, six years later, um, but a defending champion, um, would, would, would you have been surprised by that, that you'd still be here? No, I, I mean, surprised in a good way, right? Like I, I would have been surprised in an absolutely amazing way. The, for the fact that I, I I'm racing for, for a career and, you know, like to, to race for a career at any level of motorsports means you've, you, you made it, at least in my eyes. The very first NASCAR race I ever saw was the truck race at Kentucky Speedway okay. uh, for their return. So from that point on, I was 100 percent hooked. I mean, I could run trucks the rest of my life and I'm I'm one happy camper. Like, I think trucks are badass. So <laughs> you could tell me that and I just I'd be doing backflips. I mean. To me, I'm, you know, I got pinched, I'm pinched myself. I'm, I'm living the dream, right? Like it's what I dreamed of as a kid and I'm getting to experience that. So you told me that I'd be pumped. I wouldn't change anything. Okay. So you did, you did make your, your cup debut last year at Sonoma of all places. Um, how did that, how did that, that chance, that opportunity with Spire uh, come about and why Sonoma? Yeah. Uh, well, that caught me off guard to tell you the truth. I go into 2020 or 2021 and I'm just, I head down on the truck series. No, but there's ah, what opportunities would even come this way to kind of run something. Ah, just work on the trucks. I get a call from my friends at Spire who I, I've known for years and years. And they're like, Hey, Justin Haley is racing at mid Ohio. He can't make it out to Sonoma. Can you fill in for him? Okay. I said, uh, are you sure? Like, I've never driven a cup car. I've never even sat in one. I've never even been close. Like, I don't even know if I've ever touched one before. (laughs) And I've also never been to Sonoma. And hey, by the way, there's also no practice. So are you really sure this is a good idea? And they said, absolutely. Um, So I I enjoyed that experience. It gave me a huge shot of confidence just for the fact that like 
somebody believed in me enough to literally put my butt in a race car that I've never even fired the engine up before at a racetrack I've never even been to. And they trusted me not to wreck it and to still get them a good position. So that was a huge shot of confidence. I love the heck out of it. And now looking at our schedule, boy, am I glad that I did that. I mean, we're going to Sonoma yeah. now and I, I'm going to go back and what I'm hundred what I'm, what I know the trucks, I'm going to go back in that with experience at a track and the rest of the people in the series, I don't think have any, uh, if they do, it's some of the older dr- drivers. Crafton might've made one truck start. Crafton, I think has, and um, maybe, maybe some of the Arca West competitors have probably made starts there, but um, very few. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I just got this, you know, <laughs> I feel like I just got this awesome opportunity and it's kind of yeah. thanks to Spire for giving me the, you know, the opportunity last year. Well, one difference will be that they're not using the carousel this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but I've still seen turn one and two and yeah. three. And, you know, like, yeah, a lot of good stuff came out of that. Exactly. Exactly. So what's the memory that stands out to you from that day? Uh, The big one's the shock factor. Like I Mm -hmm. sat in the car at the shop and they, you know, they get the seat all right and the belts and wheel and we we get it all adjusted. I go to hop in the car, though, for the for the start of the race, I fired up. I'm like, oh, okay, it's a little different, you know, kind of getting a feel for everything. I go to pull off pit road and I go to spin my tires up, um, you know, start getting some heat in them and I about spun out and I was like, wait a minute, <laughs> this is different than a truck. Uh, <laughs> that was an eye opener. My eyes went from like this to this and it kind of got me a little nervous for the start. I was like, Holy, I just about wrecked this thing pulling off pit road. You, you gotta remember that's the first time you've been yeah. touching the throttle break anything like, yeah, you know, literally everybody else in the field had an opportunity to, practice or do something prior to their first cup start or a test or something so this was this was incredibly difficult um but i'll I'll say by a third of the way two-thirds of the way through the race i felt pretty pretty relaxed and comfortable and by the end i started hustling it and and charging which i had to we Mm. started getting run over by some people uh for the last few restarts it got really elbows up and a lot of crazy driving so when spire reached out to you did they like what were did they give you like the reasoning about why they thought of you for, for that race? Um, well, you know, for one, it was kind of like a unique opportunity because the crew chief for that car was my crew chief uh, in my first truck series race. So okay. Kevin Bellacourt was my first crew chief in the truck series. He was crew chief in that car. Um, he was also, you know, like the car chief for me in 2013 and 14 when I raced in the K&N series. Okay. He's kind of one of the first few people that I befriended in, in North Carolina. Um, so that was a really unique opportunity to kind of work together with him again. Uh, you know, I was a Spire driver at one time before they had the race team. Um, so there was a lot of good synergies okay. and I already knew all the people. So it made sense on the people standpoint. Um, their reasoning on, on the racing standpoint is they watched the Daytona race, the truck race that we won. Uh, you know, we started on the pole for that race and we, um, the road made a lot of passes and we were racing in the rain and we ended up winning it and they, they thought that was a good performance. And, um, you know, I was thankful that they saw that and, and, you know, thought that I could do it. You know, it's, it's one thing to get the opportunity or get mm-hmm. the call, but it's another to actually be the one that gets finally in the seat because i'm sure i wasn't the only one that they talked to Mm -hmm. all right so um so 
in the last three months, um, how, since you won the championship, has any door opened for you? Have you had any conversation with, I don't know, sponsors or a team that maybe wouldn't have taken place if you hadn't won the championship? Yeah. Um, well, I can't, I can't speak to the sponsor side a whole lot yet, but yes, um, some really, really good things are working on that side. A lot of great conversations, multiple different companies at the moment. Um, things that, you know, it's hard to say, but I really do believe that the championship influenced all of that and certainly made the conversations happen for sure for some of those companies. Um, also, you know, opportunities on the competition side that I've been working on a little bit that maybe wouldn't have been around without the championship. So for sure, it's been a life-changing event for me. Uh, and I'm still feeling, you know, I'm still seeing all of that to this point. I don't think it's something that you just win the championship and it goes away like yeah. that, you know, that sticks with you. And, and so far, a lot of good things have been coming from it, but things move slowly. It takes time. And I hope all these things that we're working on come to fruition because it'd be really cool to show that, you know, performances matter. You know, because that championship is now permanently on your resume. They're, they're not going to like take it off. Um, and like Sheldon Creed proved like he, he won the year before you didn't immediately get an Xfinity ride until the following year. So, you know, things could change for you over the next few months. So, Yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm already seeing those changes just on the sponsorship side, which has been cool. I, I feel like people maybe recognize um, who we are now. Like I felt like maybe I was kind of the, I, I felt like we were really the underdog going into the, the championship, like not because I thought we didn't have the capability to win it, but we were portrayed as like the, you know, the underdog or the dark horse. Like, mm -hmm. Here's John Hunter and Matt Crafton and, yeah. and, and Zane Smith. He's the Chevy guy. These are the two Toyota guys. And, oh, by the way, you've got Ben Rhodes. Well, well, dang it. We had the best finishing average finishing position of anybody in the whole series all year. We finished more laps than anybody in the whole series all year. Like, those are good stats. Those are something yeah. we really worked hard towards. And we were the dark horse. I didn't get that. Um, so I'm hoping maybe that changed that. Uh, and not that it bothers me, but – it makes a difference when, when you're looking for coverage for your sponsors, right? You know, mm -hmm. you want that recognition for the people that support you. So what, what, what's the main like goal for you this year? You know, you're, you're, go you're going for that second title, but as a driver, what are you going to be working on th this year to, to make yourself better? What, what, what areas are you working on? Oh, well, it's, it's been an area I've been working on since 2019. I've, I've really been working on um, just big picture racing um, and my pace within the race and what I'm doing. Uh, I'm working on kind of car control um, and being more hyper-focused on where I need to be on the racetrack for a specific line, specific groove, specific handling, and where I need to be compared to my competitors. And that, I know that's like a mouthful, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of moving parts there. And that sounds like, oh, well, that's just what racing is. Well, it, it is, but it isn't. There's, I, you know, in the past, as a younger driver, I used to just get in the thing and I used to just go hard. And a lot of people mm -hmm. say, oh, don't overthink it. You just need to go out there and do what you do and, you know, drive the wheels off of it. Okay, that's all good and everything, but this is a really unique and hard level of, of racing that we're doing here in NASCAR. I mean, it's not easy. Everybody's on their A game. If you want to be better than them, well, you have to find ways to do that. So 
I'm spending a lot of time focusing on areas that maybe other people aren't, and I hope it's going to pay off. But big picture racing for me is something I've worked on extensively. Um, and with that comes goals of finishing every single lap, finishing in the top 10 every single race. We want to get five wins this year. Um, and then, of, of course, the championship. But finishing every lap is that big picture racing. And getting those top 10s is that big picture racing. All that stuff adds up to the championship. And, and it's harder to see nowadays with the stage racing. Okay. So when you gave your, your press conference in Phoenix, there, there were times where you got kind of introspective and kind of like honest, um, which was <laughs> – like people get honest when they 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 have drinks, but um, you, you uh, but but uh, in all seriousness though, you did get you, you became kind of very honest about like, um, the I guess maybe the, not the, the perception of you or whatnot, but like you said, like I'm not the most popular guy in NASCAR, I'm not active on social media and stuff like that. Can can you just like maybe go in just a little bit more detail about like how your perception of the perception of yourself? Yeah, before, before yeah. winning that championship, how did you view it? Well, I number one, I'm not a huge fan of social media. Like, if I could press a button right now and make one thing disappear from the world <laughs> without hesitation, boom, boom, social media gets the axe. <laughs> like, okay. And it's not because like it's just such a resp- I don't know. I feel like it's such a responsibility, and mm-hmm. I come up with all these funny things and stuff that's like a hundred percent been that uh did i lose you just now can you still I'm, see me i i can hear you but i can't see oh you. oh geez <laughs> i think i pushed a button or something there you are you're okay fine. you're back oh, okay boom all right so anyways well, i come up with like all these 100 percent bin things like this is 100 percent me i'm gonna tweet it but then i see so many people get um like haters or even yeah. if it's just something silly so many people will come after you and just attack you for whatever um and i just don't want i'm like i'm like well mm. who wants to be controversial so let's just be as vanilla as possible so mm. no personality here's just a little tweet here a little tweet there um the people that know me probably know that i'm i'm um squirrel you know like, <laughs> and there's a lot just going on here and there and it's, you know but there is focus uh so even like I just find that conversations through digital devices are so difficult to do. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm a human person. I like to s- human interactions. I like to sit down, have dinner with people. I'm not big on texting. I love to get on the phone and talk if we're going to actually talk and use digital phones. Um, so I'm like that old person trapped in like a young person's body. So you're an old soul. Yeah, I maybe. I, you know, I'm learning to have more fun around people, uh, in the racing world because I used to be so like competitive that I wouldn't even like have fun around them. Cause I'm like, Oh, these people are all out to get me. I gotta go win. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> they just want setup information or this and that. And, um, you know, why becomes friends with people when you just have to boot them out of the way on the racetrack, it's going to be easier to boot you out of the way when you're not my friend. <laughs> so, so I've, uh, I've matured a little since then. Um, you know, I, I actually really enjoy going around and talking to my competitors now and um, having those relationships. I think it's a lot of fun, really. Um, still kind of an outsider, but not really. I, I enjoy I enjoy those conversations. It's 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 fun to me because these people I can relate to where 
you know, people that are on the outside world of, of the racing world, it's, it, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't experience the same things as you. So, you know, they're, that you can talk to your peers, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So do, do you think, because, because we've all now seen this other side of you. Um, I didn't answer your question, did I? So, well, I mean, well, <laughs> I guess, like I said, like, what was the, what was your perception of the perception of you as, as, as a driver? And yeah, I, I realized I just totally did not even answer your question. <laughs> it was a good, it, no, it was a good answer. Um, Squirrel. <laughs> it was a good yeah. answer to a question I did ask, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. How about that? I've done that this whole interview. Can you imagine that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess going back to the original question though. Yeah. Like how, before winning the title, what, what, what was, how did you perceive yourself? Hey, uh, you know, I kind of perceived myself as somebody who is really just trying to make it in the sport. Somebody who is perceived as a non-driver. Um, I think people maybe perceived me as somebody who uh, can only win if if their truck is handling a hundred percent. Maybe that's people on the outside. I think the people that have worked with me, myself included, that have kind of been along on my journey. The way I perceive myself is. I feel like I can do this. I believe in myself 100%. I know that I could hop in a cup car and go win championships. I feel like I could go run Formula One and win championships. Like, I, I 100% believe in myself. Um, and, you know, it's it's that's one of the things why I wouldn't hop on Twitter, I guess, because people's perception of me is different than my perception of me, and I don't really need that garbage in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'll just move on with how I feel. And if you look at all the people that in the world that seem to be doing something positive, they're the ones that believe in themselves and don't let the other junk bother them. They're, they're just unbothered and they move on with life. And, um, I try to do that, but, um, I feel like I'm ever evolving as a human and getting better. I try to just always stay productive and, you know, get better every day. So like, I guess my follow-up question was going to be, but since we've not now seen this other side of you, at, at this press conference, we now know that exists. Yeah, um, that's you, me pretty typically. Ninety percent of the time, hundred percent of the time. Do Do you think we'll you'll break out of your shell a little bit more go, going forward? Just... Maybe, maybe. I mean, that is uh, that is me around my closest group mm-hmm. of people. Um, my wife, my brother, sister, maybe my parents occasionally. Uh, so, 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 uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, there would have to be probably some more libations involved to get me out of my shell, maybe. Uh, so we just got to win more races is what that comes down to. Happy Ben is a race winning Ben and a race winning Ben partakes in libations. Cause he usually does. He doesn't get out much and he usually doesn't libations often. If that's you just, you just you just came up with your next shirt design, Ben. Race winning Ben is a happy Ben. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't libations much. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> um. So, like, where where do you now as a as a defending truck champion? Where do you view your? How do you view yourself in the NASCAR landscape now? Oh. Uh. Better. I mean, before I just kind of, I felt like, yeah, for sure. We were the dark horse, the outsider. I feel more like, like, um, you know, that shirt, some people wear, I don't know the movie reference, but it says like, this is the circle of love. And it shows like a, 
no. Circle. Okay. Well, love. if this is the if this is the circle of love, I was out here. I feel like I'm not. I'm like right on the cusp of the circle of becoming, you know, part of that love group. Um. <laughs> circle of love. Yeah. I'm trying, now trying so, to think of a movie that I don't. Circle of life. Is that what you? No, I. You know, I really don't know what I was saying there, but I'll tell you what. I feel closer to being in the circle. That's what I, okay. that was the point I was referencing. Um, okay. I don't know if I got it across, but I tried. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I get okay. it. I get Good it. Deal. Um, so how much right now, how much is the idea of advancing to Xfinity or cup? How much is that part? How much does that drive you at this point? Uh, it really doesn't occupy my mind at all. I okay. don't really think about it at all. I mean, if I get another opportunity to drive in some cup races this year, that'd be really fun. Again, I'd go ask Duke and Rondo because they're kind of like, um, I mean, I don't think I've ever told them this, but they're kind of like my parents in a way. Like, I mean, look, they could, they could get rid of me tomorrow for racing. Say, Hey Ben, you know, we, I don't know if we, we, we can continue down this path. I would say, okay, that's cool. Um, but I'm still going to come up for pizza night on Thursdays because, because <laughs> we've, we've had so much fun over the years. Like, um here's the deal like i've learned so much from them like i we we got into the paving business and the seal coating business because of, of of duke and ronda's influence on my life um that's products that they make and the business world is, is seal master um so i got into that world outside of racing because of their influence on my life they've been a huge influence on me so whatever anything is that could come my way whether it's a dirt deal or uh you know maybe a couple of cup races or here's some xfinity stuff i'm 100 percent like hey dude what do you think and he's always a straight shooter and he's pretty much right about i don't know if i can tell him this but he's pretty much right about everything hope he's not watching <laughs> but he'll say something <laughs> and it always turns out true i'm like where's your magic crystal ball at how do you know this <laughs> so what how do you view the truck series going into 2022? Because over the last few years, it's really, really like solidified itself as being, there are the young guys there. And for, you know, for a long time, for about a decade, it was really just the young guy series with the exception of like, you know, Matt Crafton um, and a couple others, but now it's really balanced. You, you got, you got the, you got, got quite a few, quite a few veterans, including you. Um, and then you got the, the young guys who are still starting to get in, starting their careers so as, as a driver how do you view the truck series going into 2022 i think the truck series is the series to be in in my mind i it is in a healthy spot right now it's in the most healthy spot i've seen it in years and years and years and i think now it's tougher than ever to um to to win a race i think it's tougher than ever to go out and you know compete in the front i think it's tougher than ever to race on these restarts and pick up positions rather than lose them the fact of the matter is is you've got a really really good group of drivers in the truck series who have found a home for themselves and you've got a really good crop of new young drivers coming in that have been successful at every level it reminds me of you know the inception of the truck series like when it first came about that's what it was and it mm -hmm. was insanely popular and, you know, once they kind of designated it as like, this is the feeder series to the cup, some of that popularity died off. I think we're starting to see kind of a rebirth of that, which is great. I want it to stay that way. I, I want, I think it's its own individual identity. Uh, trucks are the best selling vehicles on the road. Like there's so much positivity to the truck series that um, 
you know, sponsors, one thing that they always talk about is like, we can come be a part of the truck series and we kind of, we can have that full NASCAR vibe uh, for a fraction of, of what it costs and have just as much action and then some. Um, so I think the truck series is insanely healthy right now. I, I love the fact that you're seeing like this rebirth of, of, you know, personalities that are the veterans with the new crop coming in, like, and it's just tough. The, the Elmore motors have made it tougher than ever. The tires, like no practice. It's, it's just tough. <laughs> which, which track are you looking most forward to visiting uh, this year? I know you got, you got Sonoma uh mid ohio right and um trucks are going back to irp so which track has been roads looking forward to the most getting to this year uh sonoma (laughs) i mean i had a good time last year i i really did i just i'm curious to see how much transfers over with the new layout for me and Mm -hmm. and knowing i just feel like i got so much confidence going there now compared to the rest of the folks um like retro, like on the other end of that spectrum, going into Coda last year, I saw all these other drivers I was competing for wins with going there ahead of, you know, the race and getting laps. And I just felt lost. Like, how am I going to go compete with these guys? You know, all I've done is some stuff on the simulator and they've seen it in real life. They've done, they've done their work and I haven't been able to do that. So I just felt so like down going to that race. And now I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I just feel like so positive. So, uh, <laughs> That's one. I'm I'm looking forward to um, the Bristol Dirt Race again. I say that now. Uh, knock on wood or something. I gotta find a wood object. I hope it goes as well as last year. I'll take second place at a dirt race. You can quote me right now. Second place at a dirt race is not bad because dirt racing. Uh, it's tough. And it's it's something <laughs> in the trucks. I mean, Knoxville was a demolition derby. It is it is just really yeah. hard to finish in the top five in a truck dirt race. So second place, uneventful. I'll take it all day long there. Okay. So since my podcast is called Driving the Hammer, I'm, this year I'm going to ask all my driver guests uh, a Driving the Hammer question. Not a Days of Thunder question, my bad. Um, who are you most like? Cole Trickle, Rowdy Burns, or Russ Wheeler? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, I don't know an answer to that question. Look, and it's not because I haven't seen Days of Thunder. I've probably seen it four times, but the last time I saw it was like seven years ago. I'm trying to think Russ and Rowdy. I think I'm confusing their personalities here. I know what Cole, I know who Cole Trickle's like. Cole Trickle reminds me of like the, um, the Kyle Larson types because Cole Trickle, he just will drive the shit out of it. Wait, can I say that? Go ahead. It's fine. Okay, I said it. Sorry, everybody. Uh, he'll just drive it really hard. <laughs> and, like, if you listen to Kyle's feedback on the radio, he doesn't go into, like, some sort of engineering speak. He just – it's loose. It's tight. I'm going to drive it. <laughs> it's kind of like how it is. For me, I'm going to drive it, but I feel like sometimes I probably go into too much depth on what I'm feeling, and it can get confusing. So Okay. I don't know who that would be. Who would that be? Um, uh, probably Rowdy Burns because he, he's yeah. really he's a pure one of those the pure racer kind of thing. Or I don't know. Uh, he he was the hard nosed guy though. So was he? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Huh. I feel like I'm a mix. I'm like a conglomerate of those <laughs> drivers. That's a that's a big word. Yeah. Thank you. 
I got a thesaurus sitting right here. I'm reading them right now. Uh, please joke. Are you, joke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> that, you, you, that was a good, you delivered that very well. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> so what, one thing you mentioned back in Phoenix was that you have a, a playlist that you go to for karaoke. You're you called it your inebriated playlist. Um, you should definitely make a Spotify playlist and p- publish that. Ooh, that's a great idea. So it's actually inebriated song list because okay. I'm not even that fancy to say playlist. Um, that is a great idea because all those songs that would make life so much easier because all of those songs are literally on a list. I look at the list, then I go to my Spotify and I find the song if I want to play it, if there's actually real no karaoke in sight. So, um, wow, you are a smart cookie. <laughs> See, this is why I'm not on social media as much as I probably should be because technology, man, just light years ahead of me. But yeah, you, you should make that a public playlist and share it on Twitter for all of us to, to consume. Well, you asked for it. Um, I might just do that. All right. All right. <laughs> I might just do that. Inspired by, by Dropping the Hammer podcast, the Ben, ben Rhodes and Negrated <laughs> songlist coming to a, to a Spotify playlist near you. Near you, yeah. You can all join in. You can all join in. So, okay, I guess for my last question, going off of songs, as a defending champion, what, what will be your theme song for 2022? Oh, gosh. Um, the theme song for 2022? Yeah. Well, here's the problem. For me to tell you this, I would have to take my phone, which we're recording on right now, pull up my inebriated song list in order to tell you. I mean, here's the here's my number one go to song is Ice Ice Baby. I think I said that in the thing. Yes, that's my number one. You know, I can just you can just give me the beat and it's going to happen. You know, I don't know what's I don't know what's the theme song for next year, though. I might have to tweet you that one. Okay. All right. I have to tweet you that one to tweet that and the playlist on spotify do that we'll work we'll work on that (laughs) okay i look forward to it so cool man well thank you this was great this was a ton of fun um and uh i look forward to future shirt designs and spotify (laughs) playlists sweet (laughs) i'll tweet you man thank you all right thank you ben take care yeah thanks man have a good one